Hello, everybody. You've reached Green Room on Air. This is Ray Ray, your host, Ray Renati. So enthusiastic, so happy, so glad you're here today. Boy, oh boy. My last episode, I talked about the Coquettes history of San Francisco. The Coquettes started in 1968 by Hibiscus, the man named Hibiscus. And I went and uh, saw their show their new show at the piano fight bar in oakland california and uh boy was that fun you know it was very risque i have to say that yeah risque i don't know what else to say that's what it was risque but fun hilarious uh it it i can't even explain it I mean, it's just the campiest, most vaudevillian, filthiest, raunchiest, draggiest thing I've ever seen. And uh, you'll be able to get to see it again, I think, in March at the Oasis. I believe it's March. Sometime next spring at the Oasis in San Francisco. They'll be showing their wares once again. I'm suffering from long COVID been three months now since i recovered from covid recovered is a weird word because i didn't really recover as it were i barely even knew i had covid i felt a little strange so i took a, a test and i was positive on the at-home antigen test like three times but i never tested positive on a pcr test but all the doctors told me if you test positive anywhere you're positive i just felt like i was getting a cold but then what set in was the most horrendous insomnia I've ever experienced. I'm still dealing with that. Anybody who's ever suffered from long-term insomnia, where you sleep like three or four hours a night, oh my God, your brain starts to go kaflui. Mine has gone kaflui. And... uh that's why there are long gaps here in my speaking. <laughs> and part of it is because I'm doing this thing called CBTI, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, and my sleep is getting consolidated. You only sleep during a certain window period at night. Like mine is 11.50 p.m. until 6.30 a.m. I can't be in bed longer than that, although I've messed up a couple times, but what happens is, is your body gets so freaking exhausted. Freaking, freaking. You like that word? See, I don't swear on here. I'm just not a swearer. Everyone swears these days, but I'm not a swearer. I just say freaking. Uh, I don't know why that would be any better than the nasty word. It all means the same thing. Anyway, I digress. So anyway, uh, yeah, you consolidate your sleep into a short period of time. So it means you have to get worse before you get better because you just get so damn tired that you you will sleep. For instance, last night, I slept a solid almost five hours, which to me is an accomplishment. Now, what happens is you just keep extending that a little bit, 15 minutes at a time or so until you're back to normal. 
theoretically. I've done it before once when I had insomnia, when I was getting off of a, a drug for three years that I had been wrongly prescribed by a doctor, the uh, benzodiazepine. Oh, God, I won't even go into that. You can go search. I did a whole episode on that. It's like an hour long in my, on my YouTube channel, Green Room on Air with Ray Renati. But anyway, yeah, so dealing with the insomnia. Today we have a great guest for you. Uh, his name is Hardy Weaver. I, I talked to him a couple weeks ago. And Hardy Weaver is a former Broadway actor. He was in the Book of Mormon on Broadway for years. And uh, he was getting so stressed out by the pressures of performing and you know, eight shows a week on Broadway. He discovered meditation. And uh, it's basically called Vedic meditation. Not basically. It is called Vedic meditation, V-E-D-I-C. And he is an instructor now. Uh, that is his job. That's what he does, is he teaches people all around the country how to meditate vedically. And uh, we talk about the stresses of performing and how that can drive someone to change careers and become a wellness person. I've known a, a few actors who have done this. Uh, it's not easy being in, in the entertainment industry. It, it really isn't. Uh, it's it's really hard. I mean, there are huge rewards and there are huge stresses and rejections and uh, yeah. So he just decided, you know, that he was going to change uh, change it up. So he got into meditation. He went and lived in an ashram in India, and now he is uh, an instructor. And you can find out everything about his classes and what you can do to. To work with Hardy at hardyweaver.com. We talk a lot about uh, his life in, in New York and, and on tour and all that and how it led him to where he is now. Uh, yeah, have you seen Book of Mormon? God, what a great show. I remember when I went and saw it in San Francisco on tour. I don't know if he was in that or not, but anyway, uh, he may have been up there. I didn't ask him, or maybe I did. I don't remember. <laughs> There was a woman eating M&M's and crinkling her water bottle next to me. No, right behind me. Like right near my ear. Driving me crazy. And it's one of these shows where you have to really pay attention because the jokes are coming a mile a minute. And I have that, that disease or condition or whatever where you can't stand listening to like weird noises. <laughs> I have all kinds of conditions. Isn't it fun? I mean, I got... I have so many conditions, illnesses, all this stuff. It's a, it's a miracle that I'm walking around, but here I am. Anyway, yeah, so I told the, I found the house manager, and this was at a big theater in San Francisco, like the Orpheum or something like that. I think it was the Orpheum or the Golden Gate. It was either one of those, the Golden Gate or the Orpheum. And I told the house manager about this, and he spoke to her. And she calmed it down about 50%. <laughs> People think they're watching TV, you know, like they're at home in their living room. Amazing. Anyway, I digressed again. Hardy Weaver. So, uh, I hope you enjoy this uh, interview with Hardy. Hard, oh, Jesus. Hardy. 
I have uh, been a meditator myself for the last number of years, on and off. Well, I do it all the time, but sometimes I don't do it every day, but I wish I did. In fact, I'm going to start doing it quite a bit because uh, I need it for my health, as formerly discussed here five minutes ago. Uh, yeah. Now, Vedic meditation, I didn't know anything about this, but I'm researching it. It's it's very similar to transcendental meditation. All of these things come from the same the the, the same uh what? How come I can't think of the word? Oh my god. <laughs> I'll come from you know India and China way back two thousand years ago and we've renamed them and have little differences, but they're all pretty much the same. And this one is a Vedic meditation is a mantra-based meditation, like transcendental meditation and other meditations out there, which are mantra-based. They're all very similar. They all have slight differences, but basically you come up with a mantra. Uh, TM is a little bit more formal. I think in Vedic, you can decide what your own mantra is, but it's just a sound that doesn't have any meaning. And you repeat this to yourself with as you you know sit with your eyes closed uh, over and over again, lightly. And it brings you into another sort of state and uh, of relaxation and um, not just relaxation, but awareness of, of your place in the universe. I don't know how else to say it. I've done that a number of times myself. And sometimes you can go into like this really deep sort of state that you don't normally experience in real life. I guess if like maybe you're a rock climber. You might experience it while climbing rocks where you're like absolutely in the zone sort of thing. And you're totally in the moment. And it's hard for human beings to do that. We have this cognitive ability and the awareness that we are aware of ourselves. The downside of that is we're almost always thinking about the future or, or reminiscing or regretting or uh, thinking about the past. and it's so hard for human beings to not do that. Other animals have no problem doing that. For us, it's a huge challenge. And that's, to me, that seems to be the biggest difference cognitively between us and other animals. So anyway, I digress again. This is the digression day because my brain is so tired, I can't concentrate on one thought. So anyway, uh, if you get a chance to go see the Cockettes, go see them. One other thing, huge recommendation. You've probably heard about this, but white, watch The White Lotus on HBO+. Plus. What a great show. Uh, the creator of the, of the show, um, Mike White, has written something and directed something and produced something that's just fantastic. And he does, all, does it all. And he cast one of his good friends, Jennifer Coolidge, in one of the main roles. If you know Jennifer Coolidge, if she was the mom on American Pie, she's been in a bunch of the Christopher Guest movies. She's hilarious. Hilarious. And all the acting is fantastic. And the writing is, is superb. And the set's beautiful. And the music. And the cinematography, it's, it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. White Lotus, there are two seasons right now. 
on your HBO. Check it out. I highly recommend it. Two thumbs up, as it were. All right, folks. Without any further ado, I bring you Mr. Hardy Weaver. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, doing this. I, I was really looking forward to speaking with you. Yeah. Because one number one, I'm an actor and a director, and although I've never been on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Well, which must that, be wonderful a conversation to have. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I'm really into meditation. So, uh, oh, great. yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, tell me, tell me now. OK, so you were you, you were an actor on you did shows on Broadway. It sounds like you used to tour. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, uh, my first tour, I, I, you know, I was, I, I booked that right at the end of my college career. It was, uh, the national tour of Footloose and then, um, went right. I only was with them for about a couple months and then I hopped over to the national tour of cats, which going into college, I was not a dancer at all. I could barely step touch. Yeah. <laughs> I sing, I act, don't make me do it. Don't make me dance. Um, and then over the four years training at, at uh, college, I went to Florida state and studied musical theater there. Um, yeah. They really got my dancing to a place where I guess, you know, I even shocked myself that I was getting called back for things like that. But then uh, yeah. So I, I was on the road with cats for about uh, nine or 10 months Um yeah. And then for the next 10 years was either, you know, in and out of New York on the road or, um, or back in this, you know, working regionally or working. Yeah. On Broadway. That was sort of my last thing that I did before, um, leaving it all behind. <laughs> but what, what was it? What was the last thing you did? The, the cats? Uh, no, the, no. Last, oh. uh, the last show I did was book of Mormon. Oh, uh, right. Right. Yes. Yeah. I did that for about five years. Um, I opened the five years. Yes. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's also, it's when I learned how to meditate. Um, no wonder you retired early. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was, um, you know, I opened up the Chicago company of that show. Um, and it was about, it was 10 years ago right now in the fall of, of 2012. Um, and, uh, we were in Chicago for about a year and then LA and San Francisco for about another year and then toured for another, uh, you know, I'd say five or six months. And, uh, then I got transferred over to the Broadway company and was with them in a different track, uh, for about two and a half years. And so, you know, two different tracks sort of split over five years, but then yeah. also I understudied, um, a few different roles. And so that, all of that. And it was a, it was a good environment and we had a very tight family in that company. All of that conspired to, to have me be there for about just shy of 2000 shows. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but what did you, what did you play in book of Mormon? I love that show. Oh boy. Um, well, a number of things, yeah. regular tracks. Uh, I was Yoda. <laughs> I was <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh God. Price's brother. Gosh, who else did I play? And then, um, God, you know, all the random oh. like parts that the ensemble has. The yeah, those are fun. I, 
oh, I played the prophet. I kept, I had to, to, you know, really, you know, lay it on for people, but I was technically the the title character because I was the prophet Mormon. Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) And then, uh, and uh, yeah, and then I covered Elder McKinley um, and then all the adult Mormon roles like Jesus and Joseph Smith and the mission president and the dad and all that stuff. So Yeah. yeah, it definitely kept me on my toes, but also kept my creative um, my, you know, kept me, kept me going creatively and, and being able to just hop around and, and do different things on a weekly basis. Do you think, do you think it's, um, and we, I don't, I know we probably don't want to talk about, you know, acting the whole time, but I, I just so curious because I, it's kind of like my world. I, I, uh, I have an, a friend similar to you where as soon as she got out of school, she got in the revival of um, Greece, like, and was in it for nine years wow. on Broadway, like out of school in Greece on Broadway. And she quit after that. Mm. Um, it was just, uh, I'm just wondering if, if when you, if you, if like you, you get, as soon as you get out of school, all of a sudden you're like there. Um, it's not, not the usual thing, right? I mean, usually people, it takes a while. Well, and I think for me, it, I, I, I didn't really, you know, yes, I, I booked, you know, two tours basically when I graduated college, but um, what happened to me was, you know, I, I'd worked regionally every summer, you know, in college and then book these tours. And I was, I was cocky. I was like, Oh, well, I'm good. You know, let's, (laughs) uh, you know, I've been, so I'd been basically out on the road for a little under a year. And so, and, uh, you know, the cats wanted to, you know, cause, it, and this is the tour of cats where they're just going year after year after year. Yeah. And, um, you know, they were wanting to renew my contract and I was like, no, I'm good. Let me just, I'm going to quit. I'll go back to New York and I'll book something else. Cause up until <laughs> that point, ever since I was a teenager, like I had the plan, like I was gonna, you know, I went to an arts high school. I went to study musical theater and then I was going to, you know, book a tour and then Broadway boom, done. Yeah. And I quit my job in on cats and came back to New York and cut to a year later, about I stopped counting at 130 no's where I got cut um, again and again and again, <laughs> where <laughs> I, I I just I couldn't get work. You know, oh was, gosh, first reality check of oh wow, there are hundreds of people that look just like me, are just as good of singers, actors, dancers, um, and um, oh now I'm I'm really gonna have to you know go at it but it was great i was so glad i experienced that um because it it really refined uh my work as an actor um my craft but also just as a human being just learning about persistence what i was in control of and what i was not in control of when it came to auditioning and so yeah for about the first five years of my life outside of college and in the industry you know, I, you know, I toured with cats and put loose and then ended up touring with the chorus line later. Um, and then regionally, but I'd be in and out of New York, hustling, waking up in the morning, waiting in line, uh, trying to get seen, getting cut. And so, yeah, I ended, you know, with Mormon, those last five years, um, it was great. It was stable and a hit show and a good group of people. Um, but, um, no, I am glad that I had, had that, that first, chapter where I was really, you know, pounding the pavement. Um, yeah. It made me appreciate because there were, there were kids who were straight out of college who booked the best show you were going to get at the time. Yeah. Um, and the most stable thing. 
And uh, it was it was a challenge because they never really had to got to learn what it was like um, in order to appreciate a contract like that. I think that's what happened to my my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And and on top of it, just I mean, you know what it's like, like nine years of eight shows a week is is uh, um, an incredible thing. <laughs> I, remember, yes, I remember like my first time working at a regional theater. Um, I was uh, after my freshman, I guess my freshman year, no, sophomore year. Um, I was Seaside Music Theater, which was a wonderful regional theater in Daytona Beach, Florida. And, uh, you know, I was in college, but they had some Broadway actors coming down to be in the show. And I was so excited. And I was like, I had a moment of, why are they so jaded? Why are they so like they're a little they're all sad? What's going on? And then the more I worked in the industry, I realized how easily it is for people to move into those sadder places in life, even yeah. if they're working. It's you're taking these people. We're naturally people who are incredibly creative. We're outside of the box thinkers. We're always looking for new perspectives, new ways to express ourselves. Yeah. You're telling us in this industry that the the ultimate thing to do is to be in a show and do the exact same thing eight times a week again and again and again. Yeah. And it's it's not it's not an optimal com- combination for people for creative people. Um, and so we really have to make an effort to not do that. You know. Just yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's exhausting. You know, it's like sometimes I wonder. You know, in opera, they often have two casts for like big giant roles like mm-hmm. that. You know, um, they'll double it because they know people need rest. Yeah. I, um, but there's something about the theater where forget it. You're you're exhausted. That's your problem. Yeah. Now, that's where I, the unions came about, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I honestly didn't have, you know, especially with Mormon, I was on a I was on the tenor one track, which, you know, nowadays these Broadway scores, you know, it's just. The tenor one basically means, you know, I'm an alto <laughs> and, yeah. I, you know, I, I really couldn't have much of a life because I was constantly resting my voice, um, resting my body or in physical therapy. Yeah. And I loved it all. It was wonderful, but it is, it is a, a huge investment and sacrifice if you are going to perform at an optimal level with the schedule that, um, is in place. And, you know, there could be a whole conversation about, you know, is it sustainable? Is it, is it right to be doing that? Um, for me personally, I found that there were better ways of, of living my life after. Some yeah. Time. yeah. So that moves, uh, moves us into your, your new career here, which is, is it mostly, uh, centered around meditation? Yeah. So I, I teach Vedic meditation now, which mm-hmm. I got into as a stressed out actor, um, I, <laughs> just gotten off the road with a chorus line and I was, I was, you know, not into any of this stuff. I called it woo woo. I was like, I don't do that woo stuff. (laughs) And as an actor, you know, I was like, Oh no, why would I want to get rid of my stress and my trauma? Like that's what that gives me. Like, that's my fuel. That's my material. Right. Right. um, And, uh, but then, you know, midway through, you know, my career, I was basically, I would just stress was getting to me, whether it was in auditions and I kept psyching myself out. Um, my nerves would get the best of me. Um, you know, casting directors, I had a casting director who, who called me whenever I would see him, he would call me Jekyll and Hyde. And I was like, why are you calling me that? And he, said, <laughs> he said, well, you come in and your first take, 
is all over the place. But then if I give you a second, you know, try at it and you can get a handle on your nerves, it's great. And I go, well, yeah, it's true. Like I was doing so much work ahead of time and uh, preparing and doing everything, uh, you know, making interesting choices, whether it was for a monologue, a song, subsides. And, uh, and then I get in and I just get hijacked by stress. Yes. And, uh, and so there was that. I was also dealing with insomnia, panic attacks, chronic anxiety, yeah. a number of things. And, uh, and also I just, I knew I could be enjoying my life more. It was one of those, why am I not, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty stable working actor for the most part. Um, why am I not enjoying this? And so um, I had heard talk of this style of meditation before, you know, when I tried other styles, you know, we think of meditation as, you know, concentrate, focus, control the mind, sit in, you know, lotus position with your hands in that, you know, position that we all think of. And I would try those things, you know, on apps or at the end of a yoga class. And I was like, I hate this. This is terrible. This isn't cool. <laughs> I don't like this. Um, and, uh, and, and why most people get frustrated or have a hard time staying steady with a practice, most styles of meditation that we think of, they were designed thousands of years ago for and by monks. People yeah. live very rigid, disciplined lifestyles. They needed a very rigid, disciplined practice. And so that's not really going to work for people like us on the regular. And so this style was developed thousands of years ago for and by people like us, um, people with jobs and relationships and lots of demands in life. We don't need more um, overthinking to solve our thinking problem. We don't need more focus and complexity to solve our over overcomplicating problems. We need the complete opposite, which is simplicity. So, yeah, so this practice is centered around, you know, you sit comfortably with your back supported. You don't have to hold a position. Thoughts are a part of meditation. Noise is no barrier. I've meditated backstage at a, at a show during rehearsal on the subway. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's all about radical simplicity and giving ourselves a break. And so I heard all of this from a friend in Chorus Line, and I was like, eh, sounds like BS to me. And, and I, I waited another year, and I was with Mormon, and it was one of those, I had another panic attack, and I went, what am I doing? Like, I'm in a hit show. I, my life on paper is perfect. I, 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 I shouldn't be having to deal with this kind of stuff. And uh, so I went into it very uh, skeptically. But then I was shocked at how great it felt that I, and I, I just didn't think I would be able to do it. And the fact that I could do it, it felt nice. And, you know, the rest of my day, like you were saying, I was doing eight shows a week when I wasn't performing, I was in physical therapy or in class or auditioning for other things. And uh, this was my gift to myself every day to give myself a break and to not have to be in charge, to not have to be so over the top when it came to effort and thinking and stuff. So yeah. And then I started noticing I was sleeping through the night. Um, I never had a panic attack again. Uh, my coworkers were, were saying things like, oh, I've never seen you laugh like that. Or that was a really interesting take you did out there. You tried something new. And I went, oh, yeah. Or, you know, you know, not naming names. I had a I had a, uh, an, uh, an assistant uh, director that would really uh, we would just sort of butt heads. And uh, they they came in one day and uh, gave me a line reading, which would usually really uh, rub me the wrong way. And I just was totally unfazed and said, great, thanks. Have a good day. And my dressing roommates were looking at me like, what happened? <laughs> they were like, you were totally unfazed. And so really all that I was doing was and giving myself 
a break, time to sort of, I think of it, it's like brushing your teeth for your nervous system. Just time yeah. to rub off some stress. I had more energy. Um, I was less reactive and more able to just respond in a more relevant fashion. And so, yeah, everything started to change in my life and I was just enjoying my work more for sure. And this is called Vedic meditation. Is that right? Yeah. V-E-D-I-C um, and pronounced Vedic. Vedic. Um, okay. Oh, yes. Vedic. I, okay. Yeah. I've heard of this. Yes. Yeah. It comes from Vedic culture. So mm -hmm. Northern Indian culture. Okay. Uh, thousands of years ago. It's where we get yoga. Yeah. Uh, meditation. Ayurveda. Um, and uh, Veda. Is it, yeah, is it mantra based? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. Okay. It is mantra based. Um, but what's unique about these mantras um, that, you know, everyone receives a personal mantra, but the mantras in this tradition, they have no meaning. Mm -hmm. um, they work more on the level of sound and vibration. Um, and what I mean by that, their power lying in their meaninglessness. It's like, if I say, don't think of elephants, yeah. your mind automatically goes to elephant, you know, Dumbo, circus, whatever, a million right. different directions that keeps it up there on that active level of thought. These are slippery little primordial sounds or vibrations that help trick the mind out of that active state of thought into greater and greater, deeper levels of de-excitation. And when, if we can get the body into that state of deep rest, um, body knows what to do. It, you know, it triggers the nervous system to start to repair and restore and throw off old stress. And so, whereas most styles are more relaxation based techniques, which is yeah. lovely. Um, this is, this is nervous system regulation really what we're doing in a very lazy way, which is what I liked as a performer. I was like, I don't want to have to do anything. Else. <laughs> I'm like killing myself dancing and singing. Um, I want to sit on my butt and uh, take a break. Um, and that was my, my preferred way of giving my, my body time to, to refill and replenish. Is this similar? Uh, I'm familiar with something called Sahaj meditation. Is this a similar thing? Have you heard of that? That's a good question. I have to, I have not uh -huh. heard of style of meditation. It Sahaj, yeah, I think what I think that's just uh, it's the same thing that's re that you have heard of art of living, mm -hmm. yeah, Sri Sri, yes, the guru, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I think his group does that. I think it's, I, I think he sometimes he has things that he, he they're similar. And then he renames them. It's kind of like a marketing. <laughs> this technique has been through a yeah. number of different names and iterations. Um, I I ended up going to live in India and, and train. You know, after I quit my job on Broadway, I um, one of my stops was was uh, living in the Himalayas. Um, and over there, um, what it's still called and what what it was called thousands of years ago is uh, Nishkam Karma Yoga. Okay. Um, we have a very misconstrued understanding of what yoga is here in the West. We think of asanas and the, the positions and the stretching and all that. Um, that's one kind of yoga. Yoga in Sanskrit means union, uh, union, that merger of individuality and universality, big self mm -hmm. eating small self. And there are a number of different ways to achieve that state. It's just whatever floats your boat. So you have uh, yoga, meaning union, and then karma means action in its most literal translation. And then Nishkam means least. So achieving that state of union through least action or least effort, whereas the yoga that we think of, um, it's more of an, an action or effort-based uh, approach. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's I'm, just a very small piece of yoga in the whole, right? The exactly, exactly. Hatha yoga and all this is just one yes. little piece of all of yoga. That's it. That's yeah. It.
Yeah, we so many people don't understand that. And when I learned that, it was so wonderful because I was used to hurt myself in those hatha yoga classes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. Me too. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful and it has a, you know, a great effect. Um, but it is good for people to have a better understanding of there are a number of different ways to achieve that state. And you can combine all these different paths in terms of just trying different things or having it become a part of your daily regimen. But yeah, the yoga, as we think of it in the West, it's very limited. Yes. So, so your, uh, your meditation is mantra based. So you, I guess you take, you take your workshop or some, somebody else's or hopefully yours and you, you get, you give a person a mantra that they keep to themselves. Yeah. Is that right? And then, yeah. and, and it's kind of like, I mean, in the old days there was TM, which I guess is still around, which was yes. super popular and extremely expensive. Um, yeah. But I, I unnecessarily so perhaps, but, uh, um, and then, and then, ha and then what happens like, or is it not, is it good? Is it okay to talk about the process? I mean, I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. So I teach, yeah, the course is run, um, over, you know, in, and similar to the old school TM days in terms of the, the course itself and the process. Yeah. Run over four consecutive days. Okay. Um, each day's session is only like an hour to an hour and a half. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, basically, you know, day one, I give folks their mantra, walk them through their first meditation. And then over the following three days, um, we're diving into the technique. How do I deal with thoughts? How do I deal with noise? Um, what are the optimal times to meditate? All the ins and outs um, so that by the end of the four days, you have everything you need um, to be a self-sufficient meditator on your own. You don't need me or anyone or anything guiding you through this. Um, that's a big part of uh, what I love about this practice and, and how I teach is equipping folks to be their own sanctuary wherever they go. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's really how we work. Um, it's in person. I've, you know, there has been a big move to be online in the last few years. And uh, yeah. I've just found, you know, as someone who was trained in the arts world, it's the same thing, any kind of experiential education, it's not going to be the same. Right. Online. Um, and so uh, I found just like, you know, it's really hard, even though you can do it, like to teach a, a ballet class over Zoom, always better or an acting class, always better to be in the studio. Uh, same, same thing with meditation, um, at least for those four days. Good for me to be with students as their nervous systems really begin to shift. There can be some very profound experiences. And uh, uh, but then after that, you know, when people sign up for the course, they then have access. You know, I do group meditations every Sunday over zoom. And that is a place where, you know, for the sake of regularity and consistency, just a place to check in. It's a great way to stay steady with your practice. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an in-person course. And then basically you're equipped to go. You don't, you don't technically need me anymore. Once you learn. You, you don't come out to the West coast. It looks like here, or uh, you don't have any plans right now. Maybe uh, so. plans. I'm actually, but it's funny you should mention that this morning I have someone in San Francisco who reached out to me saying, Hey, could, you know, any chance you could come out here <laughs> for a group? So that might be happening um, in the, in the near or not so distant future. So I think you'd probably have a lot of people interested out here. Yeah. And I do. I, ha I think I have some colleagues out there, but I've been yeah. meeting them out there. Um, I'm heading back to India um, in January Um the man who trained me is now having me come to uh, help 
train a new batch of teachers. So I'll be back living in the Himalayas for about for about two months, um, which I'm looking forward to. I, I've I found it challenging getting used to as I've known more people in this world and all the uh, and a lot of Indian people just getting used to the cultural differences. Um, like like India is so guru centric and everyone has similar. There are so many teachers out there with similar practices. It's almost like they're competing for uh, um, yeah. Yeah. space, uh, headspace for, for people. Uh, yeah. And you know, what's interesting though. I mean, India, it's, it's so wonderful. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's wonderful. Like it, it definitely, it, it helps to be a meditator when you're over there because yeah. you are forced to be very adaptive. It, it's, it's sensorily just so many different, you know, yes. sounds and smells and, and it's, it's bombastic and in the most wonderful of ways. Um, and then, yeah, when it comes to, you know, I'd been, so while I was doing Mormon, you know, I loved my practice and I was spending my days, you know, I was performing at night and then spending my days studying more of the knowledge and philosophy side of this tradition and, and then also advancing my practice. And, uh, you know, so I'd been doing a lot of work before I even went over to India and I was very glad I'd done some of the work. Cause yeah, I remember thinking like, if I had gone over to India, just sort of blind, looking for a practice or a tradition. Yeah. There's so many different right. options and possibilities. And, but I, I will say like, I mean, my goodness here in the West too, I mean, yeah. the, the, the way, the way it's all, you know, it's just blown up over here and there's so many different, you know, paths to choose from and options and you don't know what's more legit and what's just sort of a, you know, instant gratification thing. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of seeking going on and uh it is it's an interesting challenge to find um the more substantial things that work for us i, I guess what i have what i've always struggled with is is the whole guru centric sort of thing and the teacher centric like uh in india with hinduism there's like a it seems to me and i i don't know everything about this it's just my impression and it's like people want to put a lot of their faith in the person who is teaching them or teaching the group or the, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And yeah. you know, that it's funny. Cause if you go, you know, I think that's a lot of, um, that's a lot of dogma that's crept in over the years and that yeah. culture worldview or tradition. And uh, we also just have a misunderstanding of what it, what guru actually means like same thing here in the West, the, the word guru gets thrown around all the time. Yes. Yes. Uh, we get a lot of, of uh, English from Sanskrit, you know, dead Indian language, like the Latin of India. Um, guru in Sanskrit means um, darkness mm -hmm. and guru means remover. Um, uh, ah. Where people often think of or translate guru as light bringer, but that would connotate that, something has to be brought to you in terms of fulfillment. When, if you really get down to the foundation of any of these, you know, old worldviews and traditions, fulfillment resides within. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, true meaning of guru means darkness remover. And what's darkness? Stress, uh, mistaken thinking, ignorance. And we're just peeling back the layers and allowing our inner light to be enhanced. And so um, I think one of the ways where we've got a little, confused with the, the the meaning guru 
that it has, like you said, it's this person that has to, you know, that we have to have blind faith in and follow them. And, and, and they're the ones who are going to answer all our problems from a Vedic perspective. Guru is in anything and everything. Guru uh-huh. is simply, there's teacher in everything. Every moment um, I can learn from something and some, and it can be someone as well. Um, but, you know, what I found the more I meditated was my mindset without trying to shifted from when things would happen in my life, it was no longer why, why is this happening to me? And it was shifting into why is this happening for me? Um, I was able to see that every opportunity, it was a, was a moment to grow. Um, it was an opportunity to learn and evolve. It wasn't just, oh, God, of course this happened again. It was, oh, yeah, this makes sense. You know, even if it was a trying time in my life, I was no longer as stressed. And that, from a Vedic perspective, that's all guru. That's all how you learn. And, and honestly, a lot of how we think of gurus now, it's not really the Indian way or the 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 vedic way that was i think you know when the british were in control of india for centuries a lot of western um uh christ you know christian sort of these western ideologies crept in in terms of how to follow people how to listen how to grow how to evolve um but any good teacher out there whether it is a person a life event a situation um it's not about saying, listen to me and do this and follow the rules, that's dogma. Mm-hmm. Any good teacher is simply going to give you the tools to have you answer the questions yourself. I see. Uh, and, uh, and to have you come to that realization. And yes, they're there as a catalyst and to help you grow. But, you know, I was with you. I was very skeptical about all this kind of stuff. And when I found that it was simply about me giving uh, myself the tools Um, And now when I chat with people that I consider teachers in my life, the ones that I really click with are the ones where I now go to them and go, you know what? I had a question for you, but I think I just answered it myself. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes we do that way. Like we need uh, like a mirror, right? It's almost like which Shakespearean in a way. I mean, uh, yeah, of course, Shakespeare didn't think of that, but I mean, you know, you hold your mirror up to yourself and then, ah, there's the answer. You don't really need the mirror to talk back to you. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so if uh, you don't do online, you're not, you, you haven't been uh, changed by, by COVID. So you're not, the, you haven't turned into an online only person. You still like to be in person, which is great. I am, uh, I'm incredibly progressive in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and you know, there were certain ways, you know, like I, uh, you know, I, I mean that in life in all forms, but when it comes to the purity of this teaching and the tradition, yeah, I've, you know, we've, as you know, my colleagues and I have updated it in certain ways to make it yeah accessible and easy to integrate. You know, a big part of my training is getting folks to be able to do this practice that's been around for thousands of years. And yeah, it's easy to integrate in people's lifestyles, but um, I've simply found um, personally you know, I can only update it so much without it losing its impact. Um, and I get folks who have learned with other teachers online and then they end up coming to me going, you know what, I'm just having a hard time sticking with this or I don't feel like I'm getting everything out of it. Yeah. Uh, and they end up coming, you know, to, to, to learn in person anyway. And yeah, it was interesting during, during COVID 
in the lockdown days, you know, and that was, you know, I got on Zoom in the first few months with my current student base. I was on Zoom seven days a week, running group meditations, helping them stay steady, checking in. And we were, you know, I also do mentoring and knowledge sessions where we dive into the, this body of knowledge where all of this comes from. And that I found is okay, but, you know, giving a mantra to someone over, over a computer and, and working with them as their nervous systems are shifting in profound ways. Um, that's, that's one thing that I've found personally, I'm not willing to, um, change for, not for my sake, but for their sake, I want them to have the best experience. And so now with, you know, we've all been learning how to integrate into this new phase of, of, you know, the, the pandemic, wherever we're at with it. Um, and so it's great that we're back out working in person and, and uh, it was a good reminder for some of my, you know, now current students who were hesitating when the lockdown happened. Um, if it feels right to learn, don't hesitate. It's the time to learn. And if it's not with me, you know, I can hook folks up with any one of my colleagues around the country, really around the world. Okay. And, and so what would you like people to take away from this? That Because you have a schedule here. It looks like you're going to be in New Orleans and Winston-Salem, Charlottesville, Asheville. I teach primarily throughout the Southeast, which okay. I thought I'd be doing, but uh -huh. hey, it's, um, I, I enjoy teaching in places that usually get ridden off for not being ready yeah. for that kind of stuff, and it's so wonderful. But I also teach in New York twice a year. Um, like I mentioned, I'll probably be heading out west once I'm back from India, maybe in January, but I, it most likely will be when I'm back from India in March. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, feel free to visit my, my website, hardyweaver.com. I'm on Instagram at hardy underscore weaver. Um, but no, what, you know, as sort of, you know, cause I know this is a theater podcast, a big part of what I do now, cause in the past few years, I'd been saying no to theater stuff. I thought I was done with all that when I, you know, I quit my job on Broadway. I went to go live in the wilderness of South America for a bit and then went to the Himalayas and studied with masters of this practice. And then I became a meditation teacher. And anytime a show or an opportunity would come up, I'd say, no, I don't do that anymore. And then I was giving um, a lecture on meditation at a university um, to a bunch of theater students. And someone asked me if I ever saw myself doing theater again. And I said, you know, never say never. But why I got into this was um, the same reason I got into theater, which, which was transformation. I'm incredibly passionate about transformation and also that live experience, you know, actors with audience helping people laugh, cry, think, feel, examine all the facets of humanity. I'm doing the same thing now, just on a more intimate, powerful level. And so uh, right after that talk, uh, when they asked me the question about doing theater again, the head of the program said, would you be interested in directing a show? Without even hesitating, I said yes. And then I went, <laughs> I just said yes to that. I went to India right after that, that saying yes. And I had a moment of like, why did I, am I going back into theater? What's going on? And then I realized I, um, you know, I needed some time away from theater, but, you know, I, I have all these, you know, talents and passions and I love theater. It's a big part of my life. And uh, what I was realizing was I could come back to it in a new um, more productive way and honestly meld my new passion with my old passion. And so I've been doing that a lot as well. Um, I, I ended up going and directing the show at um, the university, but part of my agreement was that they have me uh, bring me in as a professor. So I was teaching theater classes, but I was infusing 
meditation, mental health, self-care into the curriculum. Our first week of the rehearsal process for the show was the meditation course, which was wow. Um, oh, great. It, it did wonders for the show. They I'm were, sure. I had a schedule and the kids couldn't believe it. They were like, wait, you're actually taking time to like help us. And that's like, yeah, great. What you be doing, you know, you're about yes. to have a demanding schedule. Let's equip you with some tools to move through it in a better fashion. And so that's, what's been really exciting for me. I've, um, I've taken what I learned from that semester and I've developed a one week workshop called the health. I'm calling it the healthy artist masterclass where universities bring me in and I run the meditation course. That's the foundation of it. But then I also do theater classes, but it's really all, all, all of our application and arts classes are about taking what we've learned in terms of self-care and how do we apply that into our craft? Um, because what I realized is um, why I got into meditation was I was a really stressed out artist and I spent thousands of hours training um, and to be a better artist, but not one of those hours was spent training how to be a healthy human being, how to take care of myself. And yes. we here in the theater world, um, we, we've, and it, we're having a reckoning with it now. There needs to be even more of it in terms of um, how we take care of ourselves, how we're treated, what we deserve. Um, and so um, I'm realizing an, um, that my, you know, what I can do is, is go into these, especially, you know, theater training environments, but I'm also, you know, going into shows and stuff, uh, going back to New York and working with performers and stage managers and technicians um, and realize, you know, helping them realize that there's a more sustainable way to um, create and make art. And so um, that's, what's been really exciting for me. So uh, uh, bringing all my passions together and seeing that they're all connected. It's been really exciting work and uh, you know, as uh, you know, just changing the notion and the narrative of like what it means to be a productive uh, performer, an artist, or creative in any way. Um, yeah, I, you know, because I have I teach so many different, you know, people from different walks of life how to meditate. Um, you know, it's mostly you know doctors, lawyers, ranchers in Texas, or teachers, or retirees, just all different kinds of people. Um, professional athletes I've taught. And it's so funny, like, you know, when I would start trying to teach or offering it to performers or actors, um, a lot of them would shy away from it. Some like me after a few years, you know, I shied away from it. And then I realized I needed to try something, but I was having these moments of what is it? Why, why are they not realizing like how great this could be for them in terms of not just their performance and their auditions, um, but also just life. And I realized we've just been trained from a very early age, you know, in theater, you just deal with it. You tolerate, yeah. it. you tolerate, you know, whatever you can get, get it. Uh, and however you're treated, whatever the conditions are like, it's just, you got to do what you love. And, and so, you know, that's yeah. it. And, um, it doesn't have to be that way. You can make good art and enjoy it. You don't have to suffer through it. There's a more productive, healthy, sustainable way to approach a role or a show. Um, and so it's been really great for me to go in and provide a bit of a different perspective and a pattern interrupt as someone who has been through it in a lot of different ways. And now when I work with universities, you know, that's sort of what makes me unique is that 
you know, I grew up doing theater. I went to a competitive um, arts program at, at university. Um, I worked as a professional. And then I was back on the flip side in a university setting as a professor. And so seeing what's really lacking here and the main thing that's lacking in, in the training process um, is equipping these young artists to um, be healthy and, and how they handle the demands of the industry. Um, because it is, it's a lot. So there's that, that aspect of it where it can help your nervous system and help you learn how to have some mastery over your own experience. I'm also wondering, I mean, a lot of what makes theater enriching for the artists and also the audience is like when there's actual connection going on between people and I'm wondering, like, if you if you were to start a rehearsal process, like as you did, like probably almost no one has ever done, where you're getting people to meditate together, does that help people lower their inhibitions with one another so that they're able to make magic more easily and quickly? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. On a number of different fronts, like you said, one... <laughs> It's a great bonding experience mm -hmm. um, because they're going through a period of transformation together before we even begin to transform in the show. But also when it comes to stress and fight or flight, how we can't, you can't be a great actor if you're stressed all yeah. the time. You know, you got to go back to like acting 101 where you had, you know, some teacher, you know, yelling at you going, you know, react, you yeah. know, <laughs> listen you know, toss the ball back and forth. And, uh, you know, stress does not allow for interesting, dynamic, um, and responsive, um, uh, scene work, um, performance. It just doesn't allow yeah. for it. You're, you're what's happening when we stress out your nervous system, even though it's just, I'm feeling a little anxious or I, I couldn't handle, you know, I'm stuck in traffic or the auditions coming up. My nervous system is reacting like I'm being attacked by a type. Yes. It sounds dramatic, but that's what's happening here. When the body's no longer capable of meeting a change of expectation, something that didn't go the way we planned, nervous system goes, well, if you're not going to adapt, I'm going to use this primal, you know, reactive measure to do something about it. And so all of our attention um, is getting basically hijacked by this defense mechanism, and it doesn't allow for us to be present in that moment, whether it's a scene or a show or a song that we're performing. Um, and so what we're doing here in regulating our nervous system, it gives our, our bodies, um, it gives ourselves the opportunity to be more um, adaptive and intuitive and organic with how we um, go about um, performing. And I was the kind I always enjoyed. I never, <laughs> I had many associate directors and directors uh you know come at me and go like stop stop changing it so much like in these longer yeah. running shows like i need to i'm gonna go crazy if i don't try this new way or where some new actor would be on and be like oh yeah you're doing something cool let me go yeah. with that uh, but i was sitting in on um i was sitting in on an acting class with a very well-known acting teacher and this this person he was working with was having a hard time it was a tricky scene and a really rough emotional state that she had to get to um, and he was laying into her and, uh, he was, you know, just being really rough with her and, you know, you know, rah, 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 yelling. And, and then he said at one point, he was like, if you're going to be a great actor, you've got to have a healthy nervous system. <laughs> and I, said, yes. 
was like, you do, but you're not doing it right now. You're traumatizing her. But, but that was a big aha moment for me. You know, we've all been there before where it's like, I'm hitting this block. I can't get to this state that the scene's requiring, um, or I'm getting there and then I just can't control my emotions. Yeah. Um, and I'm not really there with my, my scene partner. And so what we're doing here in, in taking daily time to nurture um, and regulate our nervous systems it allows for a lot more productive performance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And auditions, my goodness. Like that's what, you know, the, everyone's trying to find out in the theater world. What's the secret to better auditions? Man, I, I, my secret is get a handle on your nervous system. You know, not just these little quick fix things. Those are lovely. But until you treat the source, which is, hey, I have a nervous system issue here. Um, and that for me, that was a lovely, you know, uh, I was uh, the same. It was actually the same person who called me Jekyll and Hyde, that casting director. I went in, I'd been meditating for a couple of years um, and I'd done all the work and I went in and I, I killed the audition. I knew I did. And as I'm walking out, uh, the casting director went, Hardy, that was great. Like, have you been doing something different lately? And without even thinking, I just said, honestly, I don't care what you think. <laughs> and I was, and I went, I went, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he was like, no, great. And it wasn't in a flippant way. It was, that was a product of me doing the work for, as actors, we're so concerned about what do they want from me? What do I think they want from me? Let me try to do that versus trusting our own work, our own choices, what's within our control, all of that how we look, if the director vibes with us, if it's the right part for the show, that's all beyond our control. And so the more I was doing the work for myself, improving my nervous system, trusting my own ability um, and letting go of the rest, that's really what meditation is too. It's a daily practice of letting go, letting go of things that are beyond your control. And so I was becoming an expert in that, you know, and so here came this audition. I wasn't concerned about what they thought. I was solid in my work and then I booked it, you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't so um, one hijacked by stress and two concerned about what they thought of me. The Zen of auditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's so funny. It's like, why aren't we doing more of this? You know, and and we we're, we're moving in that direction, but we have a lot of of constructs as as artists that we need to break down, um, and uh, it's worth it. There's it really a is. what's his name, the guy, the Breaking Bad star. Uh, yeah, Brian Cranston. I don't know if you've seen a video where he talks about that. Uh, he said he said similar something similar to what you just said. He didn't. It wasn't because of meditation. It was more just a shift in his perspective. Like as soon as he stopped worrying about whether he was uh, get giving them what they wanted, but more just like showing up to an audition, doing the best he could, and enjoying the fact that he's getting to perform, even if it's for two or three minutes uh meeting new people and not worrying about whether or not he got the job or whether they liked him then he started working more and getting more jobs that's yeah and the trick is you know we can hear that kind of stuff and we can try and think oh let it go or just be easy but that's what used to get me before i started meditating was you can tell me all that till the cows come home but how do i experience that how do I do that? Because every time I go into the audition, I'm still, even though I'm going, let it go, let it go, don't care, just trust the work. My nervous system would get so amped up and I'd get the nerves and the stress and I'd psych myself yeah. out again. And so that's why we need experiential practice, just like, you know, with everything else that we're doing as artists, 
you know, you're getting into the studio, you're working scenes with your partner, with a teacher, you're studying with, you know, you're taking voice lessons, you're working on your voice, you're in dance class, doing all these things. You need to be working on your nervous system. You know, we're, we're experiential learners. And so um, thinking or reading or doing all that, it's wonderful. But until you change your hardware, mm-hmm. your body, your nervous system and how it handles demand that comes your way, um, we're not really going to have substantive change in terms of, yeah, getting the job or, or just enjoying life, you know? Yeah. I've, I've noticed somewhat uh, since I've started meditating and I, I, I'm up and down with it, but I do have a sense more of, of like my inner life. I'm aware uh, since I've been doing meditation and breathing and yoga breathing. And yesterday I was in an audition and um, I, I was singing my song and I know it backwards and forwards. Right. But I had one of those, mm-hmm. you know, the, the lion, the, the tigers uh, after me moments in the middle of the song, yeah. like it just came <laughs> and yeah. I missed a word that I know the, you know, I just, I was singing all of a sudden the word disappeared, but I just, I, I like, since I've been meditating more, what happened was, is uh, there was more of a response of relax. And then I was right back into it. I don't even think they noticed. Um, it yeah. felt huge to me, but I, I honestly don't think they noticed. Um, of course I worried whether That's they it. noticed a little bit, but, but uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like when that, or yeah. even like when I'm on stage now, I, you know, the first few performances when there's an audience, you're like, uh, you know everything and all of a sudden that hits you but then now i just kind of like i have this relaxation response like pretty instantaneously and i and then i'm right back in uh whereas years That's ago it. it used to be a forcing thing like ah fuck you know now it's more like yeah. settle and then i'm okay and it's all automatic and it's like how did i get back how did i get back into it That's before it used to like worry 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 like I'd have the script open like five minutes before I go on stage, you know, if I had a big part. Um, now I don't do that anymore because I'm super, yeah. high, you know, high strung person. Um, yeah. Stress, stress hijacks yeah. us. Reactivity. When, when, when we have no energy left to adapt and go with whatever's being thrown our way, like I said, body just goes, okay, well, I'll do something about it. And then from there, we're choiceless yeah. in how we respond. Yeah. It's either fight, flight, or freeze in some way. And what we're doing, the more nervous system work we do, we're, we're changing exactly what you're describing. We're able to respond. Yeah. We're able to choose how we respond in any uh, situation. So rather than just hijacked by reactivity, now when a demand gets thrown our way, or if we're on stage and like a scene partner's with us, let me choose, let me be more creative, more intelligent, and... Um, you know, in the best way to respond to this situation, it gave new meaning to me, the word responsibility, you know, our ability to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really what we're up to. And for actors and performers, it's invaluable. I mean, my, you know, I, I did not start off in the industry as an understudy. Um, and I really became more of a valuable, a valued understudy um, from my time meditating because I could handle it. Like my first time going on for Elder McKinley in Mormon, I had only rehearsed the the role, I think once or twice. And the last time I rehearsed it was about three or four weeks prior. And I had five minutes notice. Oh my gosh. Um, I was already in my regular costume, my costume wig. And the stage manager came running in 
going, you know, McKinley, the guy who was playing it, he's throwing up, you're on, we need you on, get out of costume and switch. My old, you know, my old me, my old self, I would have been in a, having a panic attack, freaking yeah. out. And not to say that I wasn't like, whoa, what's going <laughs> on? But I was able to get on stage and, you know, not give a perfect and get out of the, you know, I consider myself a recovering perfectionist. And a lot of people in the theater world are, um, but I got out there and had a great time and nobody died, which was my one, you know, wish, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, and I remember an older, uh, veteran pulling me aside afterwards and they were like, good on you. Like that was really impressive. And, and you're making yourself even more valued, um, as a company member. Um, and absolutely like, you know, that was one of the reasons I got transferred to Broadway was because, you know, the track, my regular track was different. Um, but I covered so many roles that they didn't want to lose me. Um, and so, um, because I, I woke up, that's another thing that happens. The more you meditate, um, your intuition gets a lot louder and stronger and clearer. And I, I woke up one morning, uh, and my gut was saying, Hey, quit your job. And, uh, I knew not to, um, question it. I found it was invaluable, that strong intuition in my scene work where I was intuitively, you know, responding the best way I could. Um, and so I gave my four weeks notice, my agent flipped out. My family was like, what are you doing? This is the golden mm -hmm. goose. Uh, and then the very next morning they called me up and said, you know, Mormon did and said, funny, you should quit. Um, we had to fire somebody on the spot last night in the Broadway company. And you mentioned just being ready to be off the road. You want to come back? Wow. Um, and they, so they flew me out. I had three days to learn a new track. Um, a lot of in my Broadway debut was on stage meeting some of my cast members going like, Hey, if I'm three days. Spot, just push wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, basically tracking things and then starting. Yeah. Next week we, we went and, uh, and so all that, I would no way I'd be able to do that with my old nervous yeah. system. And, um, you know, if we, it's a high demand industry, oh, yeah. you know, you're, you're performing and can, do you have the stamina, but do you also have the adaptability, the creativity um, to handle it and enjoy it? That's the big thing. Like we're training people to be rough and tough and hard and just deal mm -hmm. with it, which, yeah, you do have to be, yeah, you do have to deal with a lot of it, but um we want to also be able to enjoy this great industry. When I give interviews now about my time in the theater world, they'll often summarize it by saying like, you know, Hardy talks about like how horrible the theater industry is. And I'm like, no, it's great. I enjoyed it. But yeah, I did normalize like how taxing it is. And now my goal is just to help people realize like we can have fun, we can and sustainably create and, and perform and, and have it be a, um, a more productive and healthy um, process. Yeah. Great. Well, it's been great talking to you. I really enjoyed this. Thanks. Yes, you too. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate yeah. it. Um, who was yeah. it that, it, uh, who contacted me initially? That was. Um, that was probably, I, 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 um, I have a, a, a PR group that, that helps put me out. So they must've set some. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. how can, so, um, I guess the best thing to do is to, you talked about your website. Well, let's see. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, if you have, you know, if you, if you're looking for more information, mm -hmm. my website, it's hardyweaver.com. 
Um, it has information just about the technique, my story. Um, it also has information if you go to the learn tab and there's, it, it says, uh, there's a theater uh, okay. page, um, for folks who are you know, university programs or folks who are interested in theater workshops or the healthy artist masterclass that I talked about. Um, and you can also schedule, uh, a free introductory talk with me where, whether it's over the phone or I do the, I do introductory talks. Oh, on great. Okay. Um, talk about the technique, how the course works, and and um, and see if we can find um, either a colleague or get me out to work with you. Um, yeah, and then I'm on Instagram and I share a lot of my perspectives and experiences and knowledge on there. And it's um, at Hardy underscore um, Weaver. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So always feel free um, to reach out. Um, you know, with any, with any questions. And I love, I love just sharing my perspectives on it as a former skeptic myself. <laughs> do you have, do you have colleagues on the West coast? Yes, I do. Um, uh, Kristen, uh, Van Divier, um, she's in, she's, I think, uh, on, uh, in the Bay area, um, in Marin County. Okay. Um, and, uh, trying to think who else is over there. Most of my other colleagues on the West coast are either in LA or, or Seattle and Portland, but yeah, Kristen's, Kristen's great. I don't have her website. Um, I don't know it offhand, um, but she is, she is. I think I found, I think Uh, maybe I found her here. Yeah. Um, And I can pull it up real quick too. Yeah. I found her Um, on Instagram. (laughs) Instagram is amazing. Uh, yeah the vedic method if you go to um uh kristen's on um in the in the bay area she's great um and i might be forgive me kristen i'm sorry if i'm pronouncing your last name wrong um, <laughs> but, um the vedic method.com if folks in the, the bay vedic method.com okay yeah. yeah she's great um and uh yeah but I, i'm i've known as also a, being one of the more nomadic teachers yeah so uh, whether you're, you know, on the West coast or anywhere, um, yeah, reach out. Cause, and if I can't, you know, get to you, um, which I do love to travel, um, and organize a course, if I can't get to you, um, we can find a teacher who can, who can get great. You and it's hardyweaver.com. H A yeah, Hardy H R D Y mm-hmm. like the yeah. boys, um, and Weaver, uh, W E A V E R, uh, as in dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Great. Thanks. Great talking to you. Yes. Right. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it.